The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about eight miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 10 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Today we are posting the conclusion to a powerful sermon preached by Elder Michael Goins here at Zion Church regarding wrestling not with flesh and blood. In this sermon we learn that our enemy is not flesh and blood, but it is spiritual wickedness in high places. We also learn that wrestling is a very personal, up-close, in-your-face type of combat and that we need all the help that God has given us in order to engage in this spiritual warfare. Join us today as we conclude this sermon entitled, Wrestling Not with Flesh and Blood. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
Now I want to tell you Habakkuk's story is wonderful. And you say it doesn't sound very wonderful. Well, he gets an answer in the second chapter that is really helpful to, to us tonight. And the answer is basically this. God says to Habakkuk, Habakkuk, I don't have to tell you everything that I'm doing. But I want you to live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And yes, Babylon seems to have the upper hand right now, but their day is coming. Payday is coming someday. And uh, when that happens, Habakkuk, you'll understand. But until then, I want you to rest in two facts. Habakkuk 2.20, that the Lord is in his holy temple, the sovereignty of God. And I want to tell you, I draw great comfort tonight from the sovereignty of God. I'm so glad to believe that this world is not running itself on automatic pilot. You know, it's not just at the mercy of every wind that blows, but there is one who's on the throne who overrules and superintends and is able to take care of his children come what may. God, my friends, stands somewhere in the shadows keeping watch above his own. One of the books in the Bible that teaches the providence of God as specifically as any is the book of Esther. And you might be interested to know, you probably already know, knowing the kind of pulpit fare you have on a regular basis, that the book of Esther is one of two books in the Bible that never once mentions the name of God. Not one time. Now, you'd think a book in the Bible would at least mention his name one time. The book of Esther never talks about the name of God. You say, God is nowhere in the book of Esther. I'm telling you, God is on every page. Amen. Because he's standing somewhere in the shadows, keeping watch above his own. Amen. Though the name of God does not appear in the book of Esther, the hand of God yes. is on every page. Amen. And what appear to be just coincidences is really due to providence. Now, I know you've been taught by your pastor that everything that happens is not God's will. There is such a thing as disobedience. There is such a thing as sin. God is not pleased, and he certainly doesn't decree everything that happens. People have freedom. I mean, man makes his own decisions, but I'm glad to believe, my friends, in the, in the overruling providence of God, I'm glad to believe that even... The wrath of man can be restrained by God. In fact, human beings are evil. <laughs> Fallen men are evil in our world, aren't they? But you know, we, we're not, we haven't seen the depths of evil because God is exercising a restraining providence, a restraining influence on this world around us. And I'm so glad that's true. What I'm trying to tell you, dear friends, is we can walk by faith knowing that God is in sovereign control. Amen. Amen. He doesn't make everything happen. He doesn't control, but he is in control. Amen. He rules. He reigns. He's on the throne. He's the king, I tell you. Yes. And um, because of that, I find great comfort. In fact, that's the theme of the 40th chapter of Isaiah. One of the most comforting doctrines in Scripture is that uh, is that. When, even when the young people f 
faint and grow weary. And there is an epidemic of teen depression in our day. But he says, even when the young men shall stumble and fall and grow weary and faint, yet the Lord does not faint. He, he is not weary. There's no searching of his understanding. It says, in fact, he's the one who gives power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increases strength. And therefore, those who wait upon him, those who trust in him, shall renew their strength. I wonder if, you're, if you need renewed strength in your soul tonight. Well, I'm telling you to trust in the Lord. Know that he is in charge. He's able to take care of his people. You say, Brother Mike, I worry an awful lot. Well, may I encourage you to stop that? And just trust him. Just look to him. Remember who your God is. He's able. He cares. He's wise. He's trustworthy. He's never broken his promise. There's reason for you and me to go forward in faith tonight. Even though we're wrestling within ourselves knowing that God is sovereign. The second reason Habakkuk is given in chapter 2 is verse 14 when he says, The earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. He's, he's encouraged with the thought of God's current government and he's encouraged with the thought of God's coming glory. His current government and his coming glory, one, he's going to win in the end. And one day the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord just as surely as the waters cover the sea. Now, how much is the sea covered by water? Every bit of it, wouldn't you say? How much of the sea is covered by water? Every bit of it. It's like saying, how wet is water? It's pretty wet, you know. I tell my kids sometimes, I tell my girls, that's a pretty wet rain out there. They say, all rain is wet, Dad. And that's a Texas sense of humor, I guess, or maybe a dad joke kind of humor. Uh, but anyway, you brethren are probably experts at it. I could probably learn something from you. But the, the fact is, the waters cover the sea completely. And just as the waters cover the sea completely, one day this whole universe is going to know who the true God is. And he will be glorified. You say, Brother Mike, that's a far stretch. Because the world is in a state of rebellion and sin today. When will that happen? It'll happen when the Lord Jesus comes again and every knee bows. Every white knee, black knee, red knee, yellow knee. Every Hindu knee, Christian knee, Buddhist knee, secularist knee. Every theist knee, every atheist knee. Every Republican knee, every Democrat knee. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Some out of a love and adoration and gratitude and worship, and some out of a sense of their own just condemnation. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. My beloved, God's program has not been derailed by anything that's happened in popular culture, and it won't be. He will win in the end. All of the foreknown and predestinated will be glorified. He has declared that end since the beginning. 
Isaiah 46, verse 9, declaring the end from the beginning, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. So when you're wrestling on the inside, remember your God reigns. And he will win in the end. He, he won't say, well, the devil, he really got the best. Uh, I mean, at least it's over. Right, it's over. But, I mean, we got, it was a tough road to hope. No, my friends, he will win categorically. And Satan and all of his minions will be cast into the lake that burns with fire and brimstone forever. And that will occasion the saints to sing Revelation 19. Alleluia. For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth, for he hath judged the great whore. Indeed, my friends, there is praise to be given to God for his perfect justice and righteousness someday. So we wrestle tonight with the devil. Most perhaps you're wrestling with your, within yourself. And I will say this, Habakkuk's prophecy starts in the lowlands but by the time you finish chapter three he's on the mountaintop he's singing that although the fig tree will not blossom and there's no herd in the stalls and no olives on the tree and the labor of the great vines has failed and the you know the all of the crops and the livestock are gone he says all although that's the case Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. In fact, he will make my feet like hinds feet. And I will tread upon my high places. He's not in the high places in chapter 1 when he's perplexed. He starts this prophecy worrying and wondering. He ends it worshiping and witnessing. He starts this prophecy sighing. He ends it singing. He starts this prophecy wrestling. His name also means the embracer. Of course, you can see the connection. Wrestlers often embrace their opponent, right? To get them into the half Nelson. Dad embraced me in that half Nelson. <laughs> he starts wrestling within his own heart, but by the time he's done, he's embracing his sovereign God by faith. This book starts with a question mark. It ends with an exclamation point. I want to take you to one more passage. Turn with me, if you will, backwards to Genesis 32. Notice we started at the end of the book, basically, and we're working our way back to the beginning, and I'm backwards like that. I had a grandmother who was able to say her ABCs backwards, and every day when she, she, took, she passed away just shy of her 101st birthday, and every day she would repeat the name of every one of her children and their mates and all of her grandchildren and her great-grandchildren. And then she would say her ABCs backwards. You know, Z-Y-X-W, uh, 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 let's see. <laughs> U-T-S-R-Q, whatever. I can't do it. But anyway, uh, the, uh, but she would say, her, hey, so I like to read the Bible backwards. Do you? That's really a good way to read it. In fact, we should re read the Old Testament after, in the light of what we know in the New. Right? 
we know the, that Jesus has come, and then, then we can read the Bible backwards. And I like to read the Bible backwards from Revelation 22, which tells us that Jesus wins in the end. And that helps me to deal with all of the trauma. You ever done that in a book, you know, reading some novel or some book, and you're all excited, and you think, oh, my hero's about to die, and you can't resist the urge to turn to the end, and if you can see that he's still living or she's still alive, the hero or the heroine, it gives you the courage to face the trauma, the tension, the stress of the moment. I want to tell you the last chapter of the book, Revelation 22:21, says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Jesus Christ is still a God of grace and he's still on the throne. At the end of Revelation, that helps us to deal with the current crisis. So we started in Ephesians, moved back to Habakkuk. Now we're all the way back to the beginning, the book of Genesis. And Genesis 32 says in verse 24, and Jacob was left alone. Now he's just heard that Esau, his brother that he hasn't seen in 20 years, is on his way with a host of armed men to meet him. And you remember the last thing he heard from Esau? I'll kill him if it's the last thing I do. That's what Esau said when Jacob left home. Because J Jacob had swindled his brother out of his birthright and his blessing. He had stolen Esau's future. Now Esau was foolish. He gave it away, really. The book of Hebrews tells us that we're not to be like Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Esau traded his future happiness and position as the patriarch of the family once dad died. He traded it all for a bowl of soup, for a little mess of pottage. For temporary gratification. How many young people today, how many grown-ups today trade their future for a temporary fix or pleasure or whatever? So Esau was foolish, but Jacob, man, he saw an opportunity and he took advantage of it. Esau, remember that one day when Esau had come in, he was famished and Jacob was making a bowl of soup, pottage, whatever, and Esau said, uh, said, would you give me some of that, brother? And Jacob said, I'll, I'll sell it to you. <laughs> and Esau said, well, I don't know that I have anything. Well, what about your birthright? I, I, you sell that to me. Now, the birthright gave him the right to be the leader of the family or the clan once dad was, has, was gone. And Esau traded his birthright for a bowl of pottage, for a, for a bologna sandwich and a hot dog maybe. And then when dad was dying, Isaac said to Rebekah, uh, or he said to Esau, Esau, go get me some of that venison and fix it just like I like it. And Esau went out hunting to bring his dad his last meal so that his father might bless him. And Rebekah schemes with Jacob and says, I'm going to dress you up so that you're like, e like Esau and we'll put the smell of the woods upon you and I'll fix some goat meat and I can season it. I mean, she must have been a wonderful cook. I'll season it where he won't be able to tell the difference and sure enough, it worked. The scam worked. Now 20 years have passed and Jacob hears the news. Esau is coming to meet you. He's coming back from Uncle Laban's with his cattle, his wives, his children, and it says Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled. Now, Jacob had a couple of rough nights in his life, didn't he? 
there wrestled a man with him. Now he was alone, but suddenly this man shows up. And who is this man? Well, Hosea chapter 11, verse 3 tells us, or Hosea 12, 3, I should have said, says this man was the angel. He had power over the angel and prevailed. He wept and made supplication unto him. He found him in Bethel, and there he spake with us. Talking about Jacob. He so this man was called the angel. And if you'll read in, here in Genesis 32, this man, what time did, okay. This man, he calls him God. I've seen God face to face. Now this is the angel of the Lord who, who appears frequently in the Old Testament. I mean, there are probably six to eight occasions in which this individual called the angel of the Lord shows up. And it's a Christophany a visible appearance or manifestation of the second person of the Trinity prior to his incarnation. It's a pre-incarnate. The incarnation is when Jesus was born, right? The enfleshing. Pre-incarnate means before he was born in Bethlehem, he appears in this physical form. It's a Christophany. There are theophanies in the Old Testament which God appears, the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire, the burning bush, that burned but was not consumed, those are theophanies. And Christophanies, the second person of the Trinity, appears as the angel of the Lord. Now I want to say this, Jesus is not an angel ontologically. Now that's a big word, but it means in his nature. But he is an angel, he's often compared or called an angel in his office. Not in his person, but in his office, that is, in his function. He's called the messenger of the covenant in Malachi chapter 3. The messenger of the covenant. He, is, he came to preach his own everlasting God. He came to make his father's counsels known. The messenger of the covenant, you see. And it's in that sense that Jacob wrestles with Jesus Christ in pre-incarnate form here in Genesis 32 and it says there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day this was a long night now I can wrestle about maybe five ten minutes before I need a break and that's probably an exaggeration <laughs> doesn't take long you know I mean you when you're wrestling Every sinew and muscle is tense, right? You can't relax anything. You've got to maintain your posture. You've got to dig your toes into the carpet. or You've got to, you've got to keep yourself you know, taut. You're every muscle taut. Or your opponent will get the advantage over you. And to do that for an extended period of time must be exhausting. Jacob wrestled with this angel all night. Until the day began to break, and when he saw that he prevailed not against him, the angel, so, the, so it's sort of a draw, you know? He's, neither side is winning. You say, was Jacob that strong? He could beat Jesus Christ, God? No, the, Lord's, the Lord is like a dad wrestling a little boy. He's, uh, he's uh, really dialing it down, you know? 
<laughs> he's not giving it his all. It's like uh, you parents when your kid says, uh, Mom, I'll race you to the car. You say, you're on. And you take off. And uh, you could smoke that child, theoretically, right? <laughs> but, um, you know, you're not giving it your all. Let's say that's true. That used to be true when they were like three and four, but I mean, when they got up to about eight, nine, ten, you know, then I'm like, I've got to hurt, I've got to really step, dial it up a notch. But anyway, <laughs> this angel is letting Jacob seem like, think he's going to get the advantage. I've got a video of Evie and I arm wrestling that I watch sometimes just to remind myself of how strong I am. <laughs> But I mean, she's pretty tenacious. I mean, she was, she was really trying and she'd start pushing me down. I had to work at it to try to, to try to beat her. But so this angel and Jacob, neither one seems to be winning. It says the angel touched the hollow of his thigh. Do you know what that means? He karate chopped him in the hip, you know, in the hip socket. He touched the hollow of his thigh and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint. He dislocated his femur bone from his hip socket as he wrestled with him. And Jacob said, or the angel said, let me go for the day breaketh. But Jacob said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And so the angel asked him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And that's an embarrassing name because you know what it means? Shyster con man, heel catcher, supplanter, hoodwinker. Jacob was a deceiver. He was only out for old number one. Jacob's most important person in his life was who? Jacob. Jacob thought about Jacob. And every decision he had made up to this point was self-centered, self-absorbed, self-aggrandizing, self-promoting, and when he said, what is thy name? Jacob had to admit, I'm a dishonest person. And here's the blessing. Thy name shall no more be called Jacob, but Israel, meaning prince of God. For as a prince with God, thou hast had power and prevailed. Jacob, you've beaten me. But notice, the only reason Jacob beat the angel in this wrestling match is because God let him win. The Lord let him win. You say, well, Jacob, <laughs> that's quite a trophy that you have on your mantle. I beat God in a wrestling match. But you know what? Jacob couldn't even lift the trophy up because he's walking with a limp the rest of his life. It says he halted upon the hollow of his thigh. He halted. That means he limped for the rest of his days. This encounter with God left him crippled. And I want to say tonight, if you've ever wrestled with God, now that's different than wrestling with the devil. It's different than wrestling with yourself and your own emotions. If you've ever had a real-life, face-to-face encounter with the God of heaven, my beloved, it's going to leave you a changed person. Amen. You're not going to be what you used to be. But you're going to be better. You may walk with a limp the rest of your life. In fact, that I'm more of a limper than a leaper. You know, there are people who can leap tall buildings in a single bound. 
the David slay Goliath, the Moseses who are so committed to God, they'll stand in front of Pharaoh. The Elijahs who will stand toe-to-toe with the prophets of Baal and the priests of the grove on atop Mount Carmel and call fire down from heaven. There are the leapers who can leap over a wall. David says in Psalm 18, by my God, I have leapt over a wall. You talk about a pole vaulting record. He said, I've leaped over a wall. I've always admired the leapers in track and field, the hurdlers, the high jumpers, the pole vaulters, the long jumpers. And David said, by God, I have leaped over a wall. I can't do that. I have to tell you, most of my life, there have been few occasions where I have leapt over tall buildings in a single bound. And I've never run through a troop. I've never single-handedly put 10,000 to flight. Most of my life, I've just limped my way through, through, by, by means of fits and starts. Here a little, there a little. Inconsistencies, I've just barely hung on by my fingernails. I'm more of a limper than a leaper. But I want to tell you one thing I've learned. Hebrews chapter 11 says, By faith when Jacob was dying, he leaned on the top of his staff and he worshipped. I've learned how to lean. I'm not very accomplished in and of myself, but I'll tell you, I've had, a few, I've had an encounter with God. And it's left me a broken man, realizing my own weakness in many respects. And I've learned I need to depend on him, to lean on him. It's taken me a long time to get to where I need to be in life. I just uh, turned three score years a few months ago, and that was kind of, an, uh, kind of a shock it's kind of a form of shock therapy to me, you know. <laughs> I've never been bothered before at a birthday, but it realized that, man, when I, just a few years ago, I thought people my age right now were old. <laughs> now, now, 60's not as old today as it used to be, right? In fact, some of you 70 or 80 year olds say, you're just a spring chicken. <laughs> you, wouldn't have, you wouldn't have liked somebody telling you that when you were 60, but anyway, you knew that you had been around for a while. But the fact is that, um, my friends, I would have thought I would have gotten a lot more accomplished by now than I have. You ever been there? But I have learned this through my wrestling matches with God. I've learned I need Him. I need Him. I need to lean on Him and depend on Him. Have you learned that lesson? Then your wrestling matches with God have taught you some valuable lessons. I hope you've enjoyed and understood some of the thoughts I've tried to present tonight. Remember, you and I are in a wrestling match with the devil. And I know we have some internal conflicts from time to time, but the thing that matters most is have we learned the lessons from our encounters with the God of heaven? If so, then we are princes with God. May God add his blessings. Thank you for your good attention tonight. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates.
If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.